Hello and welcome to Neptune Rising. I'm your host, Christina Farella, and I'll be here talking you through the astrology of the week ahead. This week we move through a new moon in Leo, where we're thinking deeply about new definitions of radiance, sovereignty, and pleasure. The moon will wax from Leo to Scorpio as our new moon intentions bloom and grow with us. Mercury enters Virgo on Wednesday the 19th, which I think is really cool because Wednesday is Mercury's planetary day, so that's a nice synchronicity there for us on the edge of Virgo season. And then, of course, the sun enters Virgo on Saturday the 22nd. So we're heading for the season of the harvest, the season of the Vestal Virgin, and I want to spend some time talking about that Virgo archetype today, but of course, not before we spend some time thinking through the new moon in Leo, as Leo energy always catches our eye with its beautiful golden glimmer. So I hope that this finds you in a relaxed moment or perhaps a moment where you're ready to tune into what is going on in the cosmos around you. As above, so below, my friends. Welcome to this episode. So, two pieces of housekeeping before we dive in. Um, First and foremost, my class on astrology and ritual will be held on September 8th. This is going to be a virtual class as everything is virtual these days. Um, And although it's really amazing always to connect in person for energetic purposes, um, the fact that we all have access to one another virtually, I think, is also a blessing in disguise. Um, So... I think that I am just trying to say that I'm super excited for this class (laughs) Um, and really like as a practicing astrologer, it is part of my approach to this modality to not only be watching the planets as glyphs in my ephemeris or on my calendar, but to really take note of the planetary rhythm so that I can build a relationship with the energies of the planets themselves. And this is kind of rooted in my own um, traditional or pagan approach, which stems from my Mediterranean background. And I would just love to share this practice with you because I find it very nourishing. So, um, you know, if we think about the fact that all of the planets are named for the gods of antiquity, and how in the Renaissance, astrologers believe that the spheres in heaven were containers of spirit. Um, We have this kind of idea that divinity is transmuted or rather transferred through the planets in the cosmos. So for us today, we can connect with planetary spirit via altar making or other forms of ritual um, engagement, which provides a connection between the magical and the mundane, which is one of my favorite binaries to exist on. Um, This makes our astrology really tangible and it can bring a physical component to an astrological practice, which otherwise can be a bit theoretical without that physical grounding and maybe that's just my Virgo son speaking but um, for that reason you know let a Virgo lead you through a ritual I think that that's a good idea Um, so in the class we'll cover the purpose of ritual in astrology we'll have a discussion of astrological magic in general We'll be thinking about planetary resonance and the natural world, meaning relationships between signs, planets, herbs, and stones, all of which are used in ritual practice. Um, I'll describe planetary days and hours um, and how to pick the right day for building an altar. 
We'll talk about color magic. We'll talk about how to find appropriate planets to connect with based on your natal chart. And of course, altar building 101 and how to set the tone for ritual. So this is like a huge deal to me. It's a big part of my practice that I usually keep private. Um, but I feel like it's just a very um, fertile thing to share with people, especially people who are part of my little world here of my astrological experience. So I invite you to participate with us in this um, in this class. Each person who attends will receive an, uh, a PDF, an ebook, which consolidates the information that we cover so that you can kind of have a guide for yourself as you practice um, your own astro rituals in the future. So if you are interested in checking that out, please um, find the link on my website in my shop or um, my link in my bio uh, on my Instagram also has a portal to that class. Tickets are $25 to $45 sliding scale, so pay what you're comfortable paying. Um, this class is free for my patrons at the Uterpe level and upwards, and it's $10 for the Polyhymnia tier members who want to attend. Um, so check that out if that sounds cool to you. Speaking of Patreon, I also invite you all to join me at my Patreon where I am very happy to be rolling out with another new moon meeting um, on Tuesday, 4 p.m. PST. It's a virtual moon circle where we gather um, in community talking about the energetics of the new moon and I'll be guiding us through um, a little visualization guiding us towards our most radiant selves, helping us pick something to manifest on this lunation. Um, I have these monthly or bi-monthly rituals for the full and new moon each month. Um, how many times in a row can I say month? I don't know. <laughs> this is a really um, precious thing to me because not only are we all collaborating and sharing our insight and our energy regarding the astrology of the moment, um, but we're kind of building a kind of regularity of practice around astrological engagement. So I think it's always lovely to have support of a group when we do this. So if you are interested in joining my Patreon, there are tons of cool things there. I share writing that is not available on social media or my website, um, daily astrological posts that kind of go beyond the scope of my Instagram posts, um, of course, invitations to those uh, bi-monthly moon meetings, also free access to classes that I'll be teaching in the future, as well as educational materials that I'll share throughout the month, extra podcast episodes, and then one-on-one -on -one monthly or bi-monthly counseling. So, wow, that's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, if you'd like to join me, the link is also on my website. The community portal guides you there, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So if you're curious, check it out. All right. Let's talk about some astrology, Christina, it's time. So Monday, the day of the moon, we open up our experience um, with the moon in Leo. The moon having entered Leo late Sunday night, we are now in the warm territory of the new moon in Leo. So on Monday, we are feeling kind of heated, but we're also winding down. The moon is in her balsamic phase, which means that we are cutting karmic ties with the cycle that preceded. We are really feeling like it's just a moment of purge. It can be a bit triggering, honestly, 
this phase of the lunar cycle finds us really disengaging from everything else that we have picked up in this lunar experience for the past four weeks. And so, yeah, getting rid of stuff is hard sometimes. Cleaning out our room, sometimes very triggering, right? Old memories come up, feelings of lack, feelings of confusion. When the moon is dark, there is no light to see in the evening, um, right, with our soul. There's no emotional luminary lighting up the way for us, and so we have to turn inward. So on Monday in general, Mercury, the planet of communication, will trine Mars, bringing us a kind of activation of our intellect and bravery. Moving forward with intellectual projects, really tying up loose ends is what's going to be happening on Monday as we move towards the new moon with this energy. The sun will also connect with Mercury in a conjunction, bringing a blend of energy between ego and intellect. The moon will square off with Uranus and will find some emotional instability in the evening. And so if you're you know, heading off to bed and you feel kind of achy, do take a, you know, time to unwind yourself, journal, talk it out with somebody, you know, go for a long walk. Anything to move that energy will be helpful to you, I think, because Uranus is a planet that is disruptive and the moon likes to be emotionally safe. All right, so Tuesday which is the planetary day of Mars, um, we're going to be experiencing the new moon in Leo. So as you may know, each new moon is a moment of intention setting. The moon and the sun blend their energies in a conjunction, which means that they are sharing space in the cosmos and they hang out at the same degree. Um, so the 26th degree of Leo is where the lunation happens this week. And one of my most favorite tools for poetic interpretation, um, the Sabian symbols, gives us a really rich description of the energy for this lunation. So it reads the luminescence of dawn in the eastern sky. The keynote for this Sabian symbol is um, as follows, the exalting challenge of new opportunities at the threshold of a new cycle. So that seems pretty cool um, to have us be really admitted to a new level, a new threshold of beginning, a new kind of initiation where the self is the thing that is becoming initiated. Um, inside the kind of depths of Leo lies lots of conversation about identity, self-expression, creativity, the desires of the inner child. All of these are really worthwhile kind of connections that we can make to the archetype of Leo. Um, and so, you know, this lunation in particular seems to be bringing to our attention illumination. So the Sabian symbol goes on for quite a while and I'll read just another kind of um, chapter or not chapter like little snippet of the Sabian symbol. Um, it reads the crisis and the blessings it has brought to us are relatively unusual events. Every day has its dawn which we should meet with a pure heart and a clear mind. Alpha the dawn and Omega the concluding peak experiences are opposites yet the same. The key word here is illumination. So at this point in the year with our catch-as-my-can astrology of dissolution and change, my heart just really warmed to see this Sabian symbol because of the vibration of 
change and the promise and the kind of like divine potential that thrives here for all of us. So in the chart itself, we see that the planet Mercury, the Lord of Language, is under the beams of the new moon, which just means he's really close to the sun. This suggests that there's something secretive or occult about the ideas and information that we are receiving and giving at this time. With Mercury and the sun and the moon in the seventh house of the chart that I um, pulled up for this event, using Eugene, Oregon, where I am, um, for the lunation, um, ideas about relationships and reciprocity are due for some reconsidering. So I think that the intentions that we set now in the dark phase of the moon are put into the energetic sphere and we hold faith that these seeds will start to put out their roots in the months to come. So our desires to be, can become reality. Um, the sun, moon, and mercury conjoined in Leo say that this is an artistic, creative, and self-beautifying lunation. Leo is nothing if not glamorous, um, as many of you know, and this sign oozes with pride and protectiveness for those he loves, and so there is a really flamboyant sense of self-expression. So those of you who have been stagnating in creative confusion can harness the power of this lunation to jumpstart your imaginative processes once again. So this is all just very, you know, I think... Um, lovely information to go into the lunation with, if I do say so myself. But just top line kind of info here is that this is a moment where we can dig into new definitions of control and sovereignty. I think that a lot of us have been made to feel less than sovereign over the course of the past few months. Um, this year is extremely challenging from every angle, every astrological angle, every logistical angle, um, every emotional angle, it's all a lot. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to this lunation to be one where we can kind of throw like a lasso around this cosmic lion energy and, you know, bring it to us, bring it close to us and think deeply about what it means to be the kind of, um, you know, mistress of your own domain your own sense of self-expression. The intentions that you set now will find their full bloom in Aquarius season at the Leo full moon. So keep your eye on the horizon always. And remember that these manifestation rituals are a process. It's not just like, bam, the next week or the next new moon. It takes time. Um, you know, Saturn is part of magic and Saturn is about time. So that's just my my yeah my take on the new moon and i hope that that kind of invigorates your imagination for your own rituals and um, intention setting time that you call forward for yourself so on wednesday returning us to the kind of weekly forecast on wednesday the 19th which is the planetary day of mercury um, the moon will enter virgo pretty early in the morning at 1 20 a.m pacific time um, and Mercury will enter Virgo in the evening at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. So before this happens, the moon and Mercury will conjunct, blending energies, bringing a lot of kind of emotional um, power to our sense of self-expression and talking. We're going to be talking about our feelings, moon conjunct Mercury in Leo. Passionate, kind of like last vestiges of that Leo Mercury energy. We are here to kind of maybe blurt something out, say something interesting, use that to your advantage. Get some writing done that you've been meaning to do. This is powerful. 
The moon will trine Uranus on this day as well, showing that we have a very changeable, flexible mind and that we might be receiving some interesting insight that we um, had not expected to stumble upon. On Thursday, which is the planetary day of Jupiter, we have the moon going void, of course, in the evening. But before that happens, the moon is so busy. Um, she makes a handful of aspects and no matter what way you slice it, it's definitely an activating day. So the moon will sextile Venus, which is lovely. This is a harmonious and energized feeling that we have between our sense of values and our emotions. The moon will trine Jupiter, giving us a kind of larger than life sense of our own personal fertility. Use this to your advantage and push yourself ahead of schedule. Um, the moon will oppose Neptune, so there will be emotional confusion. Not everything that you feel on this day will be true, right? So for me personally, it's always like very hard to remember that feelings are not facts. But people uh, seem to be able to get their head around that, <laughs> and I have trouble with it. So I think that um, this is my reminder to myself as well as everybody else that this is a day where our feelings might trip us up might kind of engulf us in Neptunian fog. And if things get frustrating, let them percolate and let them kind of just be, let them rest. Um, you'll have another opportunity to come back to that conversation later. And in general, it's always best to wait at least 20 minutes after you've been triggered by something to try to reapproach a conversation with someone that you have had a kind of failed endeavor with, um, just for your nervous systems to recalibrate. The moon will trine Pluto in the afternoon, opening up a portal to shadow work and deep, authentic connection to what lies beneath the surface. The moon will also be trining Saturn, letting us do some diligent, grounded work. Um, but still, there is just so much activation of Luna on Thursday that I want to encourage everybody to just move mindfully, stay as grounded as possible, and if you're feeling busy, 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 you know, ask yourself if it's really productive. Ask yourself maybe if you're just being carried away in a tidal wave of what the moon's doing. And remember that you can remove yourself from these loops, um, these cosmic loops. You can kind of take a break. It's okay. So on Friday, the planetary day of Venus, the moon is going to enter Libra at 2.16 in the morning Pacific time. Um, and the moon is going to be answering to Venus on this Venus day. So there is a really wonderful opportunity here to lean into Venusian practice. There are no other um, like major aspects at this point, um, except that Venus will be, I'm sorry, the moon will be opposing um, Chiron in Aries. So we might be feeling a bit tender. We might be feeling that karmic wound coming up for reevaluation on Friday. But in terms of planetary aspects amongst like the big boys, um, it's a quiet day. So this is a lovely day to make a practice of devotions to the goddess of beauty and harmony. Um, just thinking deeply about what pleases you and how you please others, how you could bring more Venusian uh, kind of love into your life for self-care purposes as well as being gentle and serving those in your community. This is a good thing to do this Friday the 21st. All right, so on Saturday the 22nd, the planetary day of Saturn, the sun enters Virgo at 8.45 in the morning. So let's talk about Virgo because I think that it's just 
an amazing, amazingly weird sign. I almost said amazing sign. I'm a solar Virgo, um, as you probably have picked up on at this point, because I do tend to name drop, sign drop. I solar sign drop that I'm a solar Virgo, because I love to be a Virgo. Um, So this is a very interesting archetype. Um, Virgo is an earth sign. She comes at the end of summer. She is a mutable sign and she is ruled by Mercury. In the myths, Mercury was the god who could traverse heaven and hell or Olympus and the underworld. He was the messenger of Olympus and he was the only god that had the ability to kind of traverse the divide safely. Um, Mercury is also known as the psychopomp um, who brings us down into dream in the evening. So there is this kind of real world psychological application, dream world application of Mercury as the psychopomp. Um, So for those of you who have seen that word, you know, kind of used in like psychological discourse, that is where it comes from. It's another kind of way to call Mercury what he is. So each of the signs that come at the end of their season are transitional signs, right? We're getting ready to leave one season of the earthly experience and transition into the next. Um, And since our astrology is based on the seasons, right, the equinoxes, we have um, to pay attention to the seasonality of the signs. It's very important for understanding their energetic kind of intent. So, you know, Gemini... um, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces are the four mutable signs of the zodiac. In ancient Greek, um, the word mutable is disomos, which means double-bodied. This is always curious to me because of all of the signs, Virgo is the one that doesn't physically look like it has a double-body thing going on, right? Gemini is the twin. Pisces is the twin fish. Sagittarius is part man, part horse. Okay, kind of a stretch, but it's there. So with Virgo, what is the deal? How do we understand that this is like um, a kind of, you know, double-bodied interpretation of the sign's energy? Um, So I think that this comes from the fact that Virgo is ruled by Mercury, who could be above ground and below. We also have kind of... um, you know, orientations or, or echoes of the myth of Persephone, um, the virgin who is stolen by Pluto, who then becomes the queen of the underworld and spends half the year underground with her husband, um, and then the other half of the year above ground with um, her mom, Demeter. So there is lots of um, kind of back and forth in that mercurial way that Virgo is able to represent. The other kind of affiliation of rulership that people make, and this is like an adding on to the archetype of Virgo. This is not a traditional idea, Um, but some like to think about Virgo as being ruled by Vesta, um, the asteroid. So Vesta is the goddess of the hearth, and in ancient Rome, the Vestal virgins were these autonomous, aka free from marriage, Um, self-motivated women who were free from the kind of confines of normal life um, of like reproducing and having to stay in the home so long as they tended the hearth of the goddess and performed all the rituals so there is a kind of divine connection here in that vestal virgin archetype 
The Vestal Virgins were also known for being um, virginal until they were 30, and then they were able to go off and have their lives. And so they maintained a kind of purity, or they maintained, you know, not that being a virgin is pure necessarily, but their experiences were about their own bodies. That's the kind of like symbolic meaning. Um, Unvirginal people can be pure as well. You're all pure. Um, so <laughs> having Virgo be connected to the Vestal Virgin archetype means that there's a kind of um, ownership of self that comes through. And so this does put a kind of hyper-feminine spin on the sign. And, you know, I think that we also have to remember that Virgo is, yes, the virgin, it's the maiden. It's also just so connected with the gathering and of resources, right? It's the harvest sign. The food has grown all summer long, and now we are ready to bring it in to the storehouse to be canned. And, um, you know, the garlic gets braided and the grains get stored for the winter. And you're gathering things in, analyzing their value to you and determining what is going to sustain you through the autumn and the winter months. So there is this kind of sense of self-protection, of nourishment, and of deep connection to the kind of gifts of the earth. Virgo is associated with digestion. So that's that other gathering in of resources kind of deal, um, right? The taking in of food, the proper nutrients going to different parts of the body, and also Virgo is associated with the nerves and the nervous system because of mercury. So a lot of Virgo types can be pretty intense, pretty anxious people, a little bit neurotic. I think it's cute. Um, Virgo sees the possibility in so many different things and is constantly running through all of the possible scenarios that could play out um, before they make a choice. So there is this way that Virgo kind of um, steps in front of herself and prevents herself from getting to the next place, but it comes from, you know, this feeling of care. It comes from this feeling of desire to be supportive. So I think that we also have to remember that Virgo finds divine experience in the realm of the mundane. Right? She sees the beauty in the transitioning season. She knows that the earth gives life and brings fruit. Um, she knows how to preserve food, literally making magic out of things that would normally expire, um, extending timelines, bending the uses of things, doing chemistry and alchemy. Virgo is cool. Um, and on the axis of opposition with Pisces, Virgo also contains traces of the psychic fish, as Pisces contains traces of the nurturer Virgo. And we haven't, you know, we can't forget this. So, you know, attunement to the nervous system and its health and functions, super important for this sign. Um, and so in Virgo, we find that what they strive to do is build a safe structure so that we can dream inside of it. There is something about the kind of duality of the rigor of organization that lets us play or that lets us dream or create or, you know, just really deeply root into um, the earth and all of its bounty. So I'm excited for the sun to enter Virgo. Um, and I think that it's going to be a very kind of lovely um, thing for us all to be rerouted into this earthy modality after the kind of cardinal year that we have had with all of the Capricorn planets um, and now Mars and Aries thinking, you know, making us think that we need to just be like, go, go, go all the time. 
Virgo, I think, is quick, but also attentive. And I think that this will be a great challenge for us to be mindful, honestly, moving forward um, through that season. So stay tuned for other Leo season timing info probably next week. But just as an overview of the archetype, I hope that my words here have brought a little bit of insight to um, why this is an interesting sign to think through deeply, as all of the signs are, I have to say. But I do think that Virgo gets this weird reputation where it's like, oh, you're like a neat freak or you're, um, you know, you're so uptight. And yeah, Virgos can be uptight. We're discerning, okay? <laughs> so that discernment is really, really crucial. And that's something that I'm going to be calling in for myself as we move forward into the end of summer and fall. That word will be, I think, on my mind a lot as we try to figure out what comes next and where we are. So last but not least, um, the 23rd, Sunday, the day of the sun, the day of soul. Um, the moon will enter Scorpio really early in the morning at like 3.15 in the morning. It'll be a day of diligence and building as the moon clashes with Saturn, making us feel like we need to get to work. And uh, as the moon and sun connect in an activated sextile in the waning moon cycle, we'll be kind of building on our intentions that we set on the new moon. The moon will also um, sextile Mercury. So lots of action here between thought and emotion. Um, and that is where I will leave you off. We have a jam-packed week of stuff. As always, there is never a dull moment in the cosmos, which means there is never a dull moment for any of us. So my final parting wish is that you all are just taking super good care of yourselves. There's a lot of physical discomfort coming up in the collective right now. I know um, some of my sweet friends are struggling with just not feeling very rooted or grounded and like, you know, that is to be expected. Um, so make sure that you can take a break. Make sure that you are honoring your boundaries and do make sure that you remember that you are part of a beautiful cosmic web that is unfolding in real time. So staying committed to our values, staying committed to each other and to our senses of justice as we move forward into a more Aquarian age as the year grows on, this is all what we need to be thinking about. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I hope that this gets you off to a lovely start for your week and I'll see you next Sunday. Take care. Thank you.